welcome back to Crime Scene Queens, everybody. I am Laura. I am your friendly resident crime scene investigator and boots on the ground field mouse. And my lovely co-host is... Hi, everybody. I love how you said that you're friendly. I like that. You are friendly. I'm Shelly. I'm your legal beagle, and <laughs> I'm your resident court rat, and I guess I'm friendly. I'm nice. I can be nice. You're sweet as a... You're sweet as a kiss and sharp like a razor blade. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's pretty fun. You get it. You get it. Yeah. Well, welcome back to Crime Scene Queens, everybody. Shelly and I are here to provide you with educational yet sassy information about crime scenes, forensics, and everything in between, all that stuff that you like from true crime, but also like giving a damn about other people while we do it. Right, Shelly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get into that for this episode, I just want to give a big shout out The reason I'm doing it now is because your crime scene queens, we have the gift of gab. And so we run a little long sometimes and then the editors have to, you know, they have to do their magic and they have to, you know, cut things out every now and then. So I definitely want, (laughs) Laura's doing cutting hands, Edward scissor hands. (laughs) I'm Edward scissor hands. (laughs) Anyway, so I just want to give a huge shout out to one of my son's best friends, Mason. I call him Mason Jar. And I want to give him a shout out because one of our episodes, one of our guests actually did a big shout out to him, but they had to cut it, unfortunately. So I'm so sorry, Mason Jar. But here's your big shout out. Here's your your moment of fame. I don't know. What else do you want to call it? Let's just say that we would fill the Mason Jar with preserves and or moonshine and that we all love Mason Jars. Yes, yes, yeah. What kind of moonshine? <laughs> he, he lives in Texas. Um, I don't know how to make it. Then whatever moonshine is best made by your son's best friend. Oh, man. I doubt he knows how to make. Is it flavored? Moonshine can be flavored. Yeah, butterscotch is a really good one. That sounds like something that could accidentally end up in a terrible situation. Like, have you ever had a drink, Shelly, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is really, really good, and you can't really taste the full alcohol content of it and next thing you know you're like on the floor horrible decisions not necessarily on the floor i found that whenever i was having a drink that was deceptive in its alcohol content Mm -hmm. i ended up having a lot of fun and that meant that everything was a great idea (laughs) (laughs) everything oh yeah everything was a great idea (laughs) oh yeah actually yeah that actually happened not too long ago I saw the gears turning in your uh-huh. head, and you're like, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be PG-13 You're like, I right got now. you, girl. I oh, got yeah. you. We're PG-13 with a Diet Coke version of R. So, you know, talking about the moonshine situation, yeah, moonshine will make you, I think Blind. it was like seven or nine shots in, because it was a tasting room. It'll make you join did a you winery. Did you do that? Yes, I did. I did. I did a winery <laughs> tasting and a moonshine tasting, and I joined the winery, and I got the wine, and I was like, oh, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> Before we get into the episode, I totally want to talk about kites. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say kites? Like the kites that you fly? Okay, so maybe, yeah. In the sky, actually. like Mary Poppins? Like, let's go fly a kite? <laughs> <laughs> did she have a kite or did she have balloons? Let's or was that Maybe that was Pooh Bear. I think that was Pooh Bear <laughs> and Christopher Robin that did the, had what? <laughs> the balloons. <laughs> Oh, yes. It was Pooh Bear that did the balloons. Mary Poppins at the end, they all fly. Didn't she have an umbrella? 
Was it an umbrella? She did, but at the end of the movie, dang it, Shelly, why aren't you with me on this journey? At the end of the movie, Mary Poppins, the family comes together and they're like, let's go fly a kite. And they have a whole like, beautiful sequence. Sexy you're talking boys. about Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, Pooh Winnie the Pooh didn't even wear pants, Shelly. He didn't wear pants. That's fine. What were you about to say? You said he had what? What did he have? He had a red shirt and he <laughs> was cute. He? But why wear a shirt with no pants? Did he have nipples that he wanted to hide? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. There's a lot of cartoons that don't have pants. Shelly, I want you to worry more about Winnie the Pooh's nipples. I don't know anything about that. How much wine have you had? <laughs> I haven't had that much, but I just really wanted you to like go with me on this journey. Oh, I'm sorry. I just derailed your train. That's okay. I'll get back on the train with you. <laughs> yes. Speaking of kites. Speaking of. Kites in the jails. That's a little bit different than a kite that you fly. <gasps> tell me. Tell me. Okay. So kites in the jail. There's a fun fact. A lot of the inmates thought that Kites in the jail were named kites because of the misnomer of like, go fly a kite, like get the hell out of here or whatever, just dismissing a complaint. But in fact, it's because the inmates fold up the notes and they tie it to a long piece of string they usually get from the threading of the bed sheets that they have. So they toss the kite and that's how they communicate with other cells. And then they can throw it back or they can pull their kite back. So that's a kite in a jail. That's a little fun fact. So it's basically like when we were passing notes in school. Check yes or no. Yeah. Like you would tie a string to it, throw it to the other person. They would write their answer and then you could pull the string back. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, that's smart. We should have done that in school. Because <laughs> if the teacher took it, <laughs> you could have yanked it out of her you hand. the string. They would never know. They would never know. They would never know. It's like, you know, playing heads up, seven up. <laughs> I, I played that game. I used to play heads up, seven up. And people used to cheat because they would look at shoes. And I thought that that was very unfair. They would put their head down. Yeah. And then you would lift your elbow so you could see. That's so ridiculous. And by the way, all of our listeners, if any of you are in the generation of Heads Up 7-Up, at us right now. I don't care what post on at Crime Scene Queens, on TikTok or Instagram. I don't care. Find something and talk to us about Heads Up 7-Up. That's some old school stuff. If you are a Gen Z person... You have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to just jump right into this. So there's a situation. And there's a former employee of somewhere that has access to confiscated drugs. And Shit. this employee used to be a person that used drugs. And mm-hmm. they've relapsed a couple times. And they also had an affair with their supervisor. And she was married. So that's really unfortunate. And her husband found out. He became severely depressed and he started drinking and ended up, unfortunately, committing suicide. When she came home, she found him on the bed with rose petals around him and on him to kind of make a dramatic scene, I guess. I've had one crime scene like that, Shelly, too, but I'll let you finish. But I've had. Yeah, I definitely want to hear. Definitely want to hear about that. Yeah. So family found out the tragic news and the brother was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. My brother would never commit suicide. Yeah, he might have been upset that he found out about, uh, you know, the wife dabbling back into drugs and having an affair, but there's no way that he committed suicide. And went to the PD and, you know, the department was like, "Mm, we're kind of reluctant to open up an investigation, but they did it anyway. About a month later, 
it was found out about the drug relapse and about the affair, and both the wife and her supervisor were fired. So what are we talking about with this episode? With this episode, yeah, go on. There's like missing pieces of puzzles. So how, like, how do you find this stuff out? What's really important? There's situations and crime scenes that happen, and what is that aha moment of evidence? I guess this case actually has three aha moments, and one of them was a phone call. So apparently, wife called husband's employer on the day of the murder to inform him that he wasn't going to be coming into work that day. Oh. Okay, that's ominous. Some people are like, what's the problem with that? Right. Well, she didn't find him until that night, deceased. Okay, those two things don't go together well for her. Exactly, and some people are like, well, maybe he woke up and he wasn't feeling good, so she made the phone call. Well, she went to work before he did, and he was asleep when she went to work. I know, right? So that should be like the telltale sign. But that was just like a piece of this puzzle. No one really knew all the details specifically, you know, well, what time did she make the call? What time did she really go in? You know, it takes time to get all this evidence and such. So then we have another piece to the puzzle is receipts. And we've talked about this before. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to like go kill someone. Receipts. Yeah. Don't go buy stuff on receipts and have, you know, a receipt for a shovel and duct tape and, you know, all this other stuff. So there was a receipt and it was for a grocery store. There was one thing purchased. Guess what it was? Go on. It was a rose. One single rose. For the petals. Yeah. Yeah. And who buys one rose? Yeah, exactly. Who buys one rose? Well, I mean, I've received one rose and that was very sweet. But yeah. Yeah, but like you didn't have somebody die the next day. Like what was your intention? So at the time that the receipt, the time that she purchased the stuff and the receipt showed, at this time she had known supposedly that her husband wasn't feeling good. And so she was going to, not knowing what time the receipt said, she was actually at home tending to her sick husband. But... Uh, No, she was at the store buying one single rose. And the final clue that was kind of the The nail nail in the coffin, coffin. which sounds horrible, but right. Yeah, right. You owe me a Coke Zero. (laughs) Anyway, but the missing piece is the experts. So the experts, Mm -hmm. they say the way that the petals were, were placed on him. Okay. There's no way that... The actual reason that he died, we'll get to in a second. There's no way that he could have put those rose petals on him. And he would, number one, really would not have been in any state of mind to do so and would not have had the energy to accomplish this. Based on the cause of death? Yes. So the cause of death. (sighs) Ah. So she had access to confiscated drugs, which Mm -hmm. fed her narcotic abuse and relapse, but it also assisted in murdering her husband because the autopsy showed seven times the lethal dose of fentanyl. Oh. Yeah. That's so sad. The only thing positive about that is it's a very peaceful death. Yes. and That's the only positive thing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. So tying it all together. So it turns out that as soon as the husband found out, he threatened to tell her job about the drugs and the affair and, you know, relapsing and such and said, if you don't quit, then I'm going to turn you and your supervisor in. And so that's why she killed him. But 
interesting facts about fentanyl. Yeah. Fentanyl is very, very crazy here in uh, California, especially in San Diego, because it's illegally produced yeah. uh, and manufactured mainly in Mexico, which is just, you know, hop, skip it and jump away. So that makes it very um, easily attainable. And it's about 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine. Yes, and it's way more deadly than heroin. Exactly, exactly. It's fentanyl is added to heroin to increase the potency. Fentanyl was developed for the pain management of cancer patients. So, you know, that's why it's yes. so intense. In fact, when I had the babies that I made in my body. The humans? I, I made people in my body almost all by myself. <laughs> and when I was making them exit me, because I evicted them in one way or the other, the epidural is fentanyl-ish. It's not pure fentanyl, obviously, but what makes you able to have something the size of a watermelon exit something the size of a lemon. <laughs> you need a little bit of shit for that, all right? Now, listen, you women out there who did it without help, may the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit bless you because I had a great experience with delivery because I had an epidural and it was lovely. And I heard there was fentanyl in it, but I didn't die because nurses controlled it. Medical professional staff controlled it. I had, I had no idea that, that fentanyl was in an epidural. That's pretty crazy. Yes, I heard that. Now watch, like a thousand people are going to tell me that that wasn't it. Okay. Yeah, so the fentanyl, the side effects of fentanyl are... I can see how they would be in an epidural because they provide relaxation, euphoria, euphoria yeah, pain relief. The best nap of my life. <laughs> Sedation. The best nap I've ever taken. I literally was in the delivery room. They put the epidural in. I looked over. My husband and my dad were drinking whiskey, watching football, while my mom was, like, doing all mom things. And I was like... I don't even care what they're doing. Everything is great. I haven't slept in months from being knocked up or prego or whatever you want to say. Whatever's in that epidural is because God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> because he wants to, <laughs> because the world needs to be populated. And if, if there was no epidural, I don't know yeah. if there would be more than one child yeah. in any household ever. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that Adam and Eve shit. Like, she messed up a long time ago. Here you go with your epidural. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, so the people, they end up dying from fentanyl overdoses. And it's actually become quite popular now. Not popular in a good way. A lot. But it slows your respiration and it reduces your blood pressure. So, I mean, right there, you're, you know, the only good thing is that it, it's a pretty pain-free way to go. Yeah. So when I was hired as a baby CSI, the property and evidence technician that I worked with had been at the agency for a very long time. And this woman was very maternal. Like, I loved her. Okay? Mm hmm And about two years into me working there, I noticed a shift in her, but... To be honest, people go through things in their personal lives, and not everybody does this, but I'm very, like, I don't want to use the word empathic because it's overused at this point, but I'm very aware that if out of nowhere 
somebody is speaking to me differently, treating me differently, that's probably not actually about me. Yeah. And I noticed a shift in her and she was doing all these petty, weird things. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to give this woman space to go through whatever she's going through. Mm -hmm. The PD had put a machine in the lobby. And the point of the machine is that if you were in our community and you had expired medications, you could, without having to worry about throwing them away, put them in the machine. And what would happen is once a week or whatever the cadence was, an officer would come, empty the machine, document what was in it. They would create what's called like a police information case number. Okay. So it's not a case number of a crime. It's a case number that indicates that the police need to have an awareness of something. So they would then take what was in the machine, count it. And document it. And then eventually it would go to be like burned or destroyed because it was not of a criminal nature, right? Okay. There is a sergeant that's assigned to the property and evidence unit, and they are responsible for a random audit. And one day the sergeant pulled a random case number and pulled a random bag. Mm-hmm. And this bag was meant to contain a certain amount of Xanax. Well, the bag had a hole in it. Uh-oh. And there was no medicine in it. Uh-oh. And so it was very uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah. And what we ended up finding out is that this person who was in charge of property and evidence had sustained an incident that required them to have a narcotic prescribed to them legally. Okay. And as those kinds of drugs typically do, I shouldn't say typically, but can do, it led to an addiction. And she knew that these case numbers were not frequently audited or checked and that she was the person responsible for their disposal. We found out through a long investigation that she had personally taken into her possession over 500 Pills. Holy. Unfortunately, some of this medication was related to criminal cases, which compromised the integrity of that investigation. And it was very upsetting because, A, when somebody becomes addicted based on a prescription, that's always a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. B... When somebody doesn't feel confident enough in the place that they work for to say, hey, I have recently noticed a dependency on something that was prescribed to me, and I am exposed to that particular material, and I'm feeling temptation. When we don't create the environment where somebody can say that, that sets someone up to fail, okay? Yeah. So she probably would have been protected in the way that what they would have done is make everyone aware of it, probably file a case, as you know, Shelly, but nothing would have been pursued. And maybe you can speak more to that after I'm done. But ultimately what ended up happening is she was angry that 
this had a proper investigation because it had to because criminal proceedings were involved. Mm -hmm. So then she did weird shit like follow people in her personal car, report every little policy violation that she saw, and she made it into this whole big thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that happens. I mean, a lot of law enforcement stuff, I'm sorry to tell our audience, but I think most of you will be like somewhat aware. A lot of stuff is hugely up to discretion. And she was loved by everyone. Like loved. Yeah. Like she would have been put through the system in a way where there were mitigating factors involved. Like this addiction was based out of something that was legitimate. She did the wrong thing, however, yada, yada, yada. But instead, she decided to be a twat about it. So then, like, it became a big blow-up thing. But the moral of the story is addiction is unpredictable and unfair, and it can lead to destruction. But the way that you handle it is the thing that's in your control. True. Yeah. So you said that if they would have created an environment, I kind of want to touch on that because okay. I feel like some people, no matter what environment you create, you proffer, they just feel like that would be a failure and that they would be judged. And so a lot of people just aren't going to say anything about it. And while I appreciate and understand, you know, exactly what you were saying, like, you know, yeah, you want to create an environment. There's not one solution for every single person. Obviously, we are all so diverse. A hundred percent, as you like to say. Hey, you know what? For all of you out there that that like do shots, when I say a hundred percent, how about when Laura says it? Or rad. Or rad. I know. There's drinking games. I hear all the good stuff. So you know what? Y'all are so rad. Hundred percent rad. There you go. Three shots. Everyone's in one. rad. Oh. <laughs> so okay. So what I mean by that is I'm a somewhat speaking from personal experience okay so i agree with you some people are going to be what they're going to be i had a very serious duality of experience there which means that i had leadership that i felt very very safe with mm -hmm. and then i had leadership that i felt like were looking for ways for me to fail yeah and then not only call me out on it, but, like, take next steps. Preach into the choir. So I don't know what this woman's life was like, and so I don't want to judge her that she didn't disclose that she had a problem because there was a period of time at this police department where I had a very serious problem, and when I disclosed that, I was punished. Yeah, that's not cool. For disclosing it, and huge asterisk, I had some of the best supervisors of my life at this police department, okay? So I am not globally speaking to everyone that worked there. I'm saying that at the time that I had an issue, I was made to feel like I was the aggressor when I was a victim. Wow. Yeah, that's happened. I think that happens more often than not. And you know, one of the things that I kind of feel, and I don't know if this is your situation or not, but it's one of the things that I actually teach about, yeah. and I feel like it's a bias. It's the horns and halo effect. You know, the halo effect is no matter, like, you know, me and my sister, right? I was definitely not the favorite, so I suffered the horns effect. And my well, sister— you're my favorite. Well, thank you. You're my favorite, too. Um, but my sister was the favorite, so she was the halo effect. So no matter what she did wrong, it was okay because, you know what, she's she does so many great things. So it's absolutely okay. So, she, you know, no matter what she did, it was fine. And for me, it's 
the slightest little thing is the worst thing in the world because every negative thing that I did or attribute that I had was under a microscope. So it exploded. I totally feel you on that. And in this situation that I'm referring to, it wasn't Horn's Halo. It was more of um, the complaints that I had were against the supervisor and they would rather get rid of me than course correct. Somebody that was doing an unethical thing to a female subordinate when they are a male supervisor. Yeah. I can't even, you know what? In three years, I can spout off about this. Wow. I feel your pain. Yeah, I have a, I have a lot to say in a few years. Yep. I feel your pain. Teaser, everybody. Keep listening. <laughs> I know, right? We may not make you wait three years. We'll see. <laughs> I can't. I have to wait three years and then I'll tell it all. I will mention it all. <laughs> Ooh, we're going to have a tell all episode. Well, you know, I got four years yep. and then I can tell all too. So here we are. <laughs> oh, Laura and Shelly are going to unleash the dragons. So amazing. Okay. So we were talking about fentanyl death and the yes. went off on a tangent, which is what we always do. Always. Because we have the gift of gab, I tell you. I know. Well, So another puzzling story, unless you have one, you want me to go or you want to go? Well, I want, because you know what happens is that you say like really brilliant things to me and then like things show up in my brain. So I'm going to let you go and then I will be like, ooh, ooh, ooh. There's another story and, you know, we were talking about the kite. So this is how the kite comes in and this this is how it's relevant. So this was a murder that actually was thought to be suicide. Another one, right? Because that's usually, in my experience, that's the most puzzling cases for me is, you know. yeah. They're played off as suicides and then they're proven to be murders. Funny because if you think that you're going to murder someone and stage it as a suicide, guess what? Still don't think it's happened and anyone has succeeded. So nice try. Don't do it. Yeah. So a coded kite. So let's say that, you know, you're going to pass a kite to another inmate and it's, you know, hey, I want to trade your nutty buddy for a Chips Ahoy, you know, something ridiculous, right? What's a nutty buddy? It sounds like butt sex. No, isn't that that like peanut butter chocolate snack wafer thing? Isn't it called a nutty buddy? I don't think so. Nutter butter? Oh, no, not nutter butter. I don't know. A nutter butter, Shelly. No, that's a cookie, <laughs> isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, I don't eat these things. <laughs> All right, so they want to trade a Pop-Tart for a Chips Ahoy. Let's do that then. <laughs> deal, deal. Okay, so yeah, so that's fine. So, you know, you're going to pass a note, and if you get caught passing a kite, then you just get in trouble for passing the kite. You're not supposed to do that. But if it's encrypted then Mm -hmm. that's something different. So they're coded or encrypted kites or they're like little letters. And those are usually hits on people. They're drug-related. They're contraband-related. They're something. Drugs, weapons, you know, something to that effect. So those are pretty crazy and you don't want to just be like hey i got some pruno and i'll give it to you if you give me the you know whatever so you don't want to do that instead would you remind everyone what pruno <laughs> is cuz you had to teach pruno me pruno <laughs> is toilet wine <laughs> <laughs> fermented fruit that they put in their toilet and then it makes it into wine. You guys, it's lower than bottom shelf wine. Oh my God, yes, it comes out of a toilet. That's so disgusting. (laughs) It's so gross. (laughs) So nasty. So freaking nasty. 
Yep, that's Pruno. Yeah. So, but you know, hey, it gets you, it gets you pretty shitty quickly, I guess. Um, literally, literally <laughs> shitty, literally shitty, literally, literally shitty. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there was this kite that was passed. You know, drug deal gone bad. Two or more people are usually in a cell, and so the celly decided that he was going to kill his cellmate and stage it as a suicide. So he <laughs> strangles him, and then he actually like tore parts of the sheet off and tied it around his neck when he was sleeping and tightened it up and then made it look like he committed suicide by tying it to the bedpost and then making him hang himself. It's so weird to say hang himself. That's actually not a bad plan because it was already an asphyxia death. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Unless there's thumbprints Mm. that show up. Well, he no, because he did it with the actual bedsheet itself. So with the strands of the bedsheet. So yeah. Oh my God, he's smarter than the average bear like Yogi. He was a ringleader in the jails and that's why he was passing the kites. But what good is having a kite if you don't know the code? Well, because he was kind of the ringleader... Mm. Totally fine. He knew the code. He wrote it. But the person that he was sending the kite to that was in a different kite was here's the codes, whatever. And, you know, you have little secret squirrel meetings when you're eating or whatever it is to pass this information along so that you know what the coding stands for, you know, letters, words, whatever. So because there was nothing that they had except for, you know, all right, this guy committed suicide. And then there was uh, intel that was learned, and we're not going to talk about the intel because that's super confidential, but there was intel that was learned. When that was learned, then they did a complete search of everyone that he was associated with, mm-hmm. their cells and everything. Couldn't find a single thing. Oh. So they're like, well, we're you know coming up empty. So there's a missing piece to this puzzle and now they're really looking into the death and they're thinking, you know, did he kill himself or was he strangled? Like, what exactly happened? So then there was another little tidbit of information, intel that we had. And it turns out that after they receive the kite, what they'll do is once they get the information, they'll sometimes they'll eat, they'll like chew it up, swallow it, or they'll try to flush it. But if you flush stuff, it doesn't always flush. So, you know, these pieces of paper, nope. so they'll rip it up. And, you know, so that's what they were doing is they like ripped up the piece of paper. So no one knew what the kite, you know, where the kite was. But there was the answer key to the kite that was found in some other cell. And it was in the Bible. Oh, my. In the Bible? It was in their Bible. And in this Bible, it wasn't just like a piece of paper in the Bible. It was in the, the backing, the cardboard. They had created a slit and the answer key was like within that slit and they had- Oh no. Yeah, it was crazy. And that's how they figured it out was by Intel. So super crazy. I love it. It's like the Rosetta Stone of jail. (laughs) Yeah, it totally is. But you know, we check everything. So don't even think that you're going to try to get away with this and like try to slip stuff into things because not only do we have scanners in the facilities, we also have dogs that um, sniff a lot of things that I'm not going to tell you what they sniff because you shouldn't know they these things. They sniff all the things. They sniff everything honest. and they know all the things, all the bad things. <laughs> I imagine that you have to go to jail a lot. I used to hate having to go to the jail. Did you ever get like cat called like crazy? Oh, every time. Oh, oh. So let me tell you the reason you want to know why this dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. <laughs> yes. You want to know why this dude was killed? Yes. Yes. It was a drug deal gone bad, but- at the mm-hmm. end of the day, the reason, like, the, the the straw that broke the camel's back was he ate 
his applesauce. He wasn't going to kill him. He was just going to like beat him up. How rude. Yeah, you normally don't like kill your cellmates. You usually put a hit on them and then, you know, you kill like their family. There's something else outside yeah. the jails because then it's easier Yikes. and, you know, then you're not tied to it because you're in custody. So how did that happen? So you don't really ever kill your cellmates. But yeah, this one, because he ate his applesauce. I mean, applesauce to me is not the same value as like cheesecake. But I can imagine that if I was in prison or jail, that it might be a little more important. But I don't know if it's murder important. How about your meat sticks? Which ones? The ones that you... It's not even beef jerky. It's like processed meat that's all squished and mushed together. It's like blended and... So there's this farm in Vermont called Dakin Farm. I love cheese. Yes. They also make cheese. Other than cheese, they also make this thing called a cabano. And imagine like a cooked breakfast sausage (laughs) that's about a foot or so long. What? And you literally just eat it like beef jerky, but it's not like... Pulley, it's like an actual like oh sausage link that you eat. It's so good. Okay, because the look on my face is like that sounds disgusting. I know it sounds gross. I know, I know it sounds disgusting. And listen, I don't eat beef jerky. I don't eat like slim jims. I don't eat like sticks of beef, okay? But I'm telling you, these cabanos with a K, so good. And y'all, they didn't even pay us to say this. <laughs> they should. <laughs> Well, they should send it to me so that I can be like, all right, I'll give it to you. Don't knock it to you, Girl, it. do you know how much money I've spent on Dakin Farm? Like, whatever I'm not in Vermont shipping it to my house. I'm like, I need oh more gosh. Dakin. That's... I know. <laughs> well, anyways, we were talking about prisoners killing each other over applesauce. So, of course, I've been catcalled in a jail. Obviously, I'm not bragging. Yep. It's because I'm a female and I go into the yeah. men's facilities. So, yes, obviously. If you have estrogen or a Y... Oh, yeah. Or a lack of a Y chromosome. Exactly. Yeah, you're double x Yep. Or if you've done a really good job of presenting yourself otherwise. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so, I go in there and I literally wear flats. I don't wear heels. I don't... I wear something that's not going to make noise when I walk. I wear all black. I wear like a mock turtleneck or something. I know it doesn't matter, but I just try to draw Girlfriend, I am in a baggy jacket, ugly black sneakers that are like the freaking super special because I know I have to throw them away later. I am in baggy tactical pants. I am wearing makeup. I am exhausted from the call out the night before, and I show up and they're like, whistling and they're shouting things at me that are i know this podcast is like rated explicit because we like don't monitor ourselves but the things that are shouted at me when i go to prison or jail are still not suitable for this podcast it is like they're that bad girl there are things that i had never even thought of creatively that have been shouted at me (laughs) in lockup and i'm like damn You're admitting in front of other men that you're into that? Oh, wow. Like, Uh. I mean, and they're like, oh. And, oh, it's so insane. Like, and women are just as bad, by the way. Yeah. Ladies, you do not get off scot-free. You are just as dirty as the dudes and sometimes more. Yeah. Yeah. And the women's facilities, yeah, I still get catcalled. One of them shouted at me. She goes, hey, I'm gay for the stay. Oh, well, my brain took a whole like beat to process what she was saying. You said that. And I went, oh, 
okay, okay, yeah. I, yeah, like it yeah. takes you a minute, right? Yeah, yeah you got to like, oh, uh, you got to process that. So if you turn those well, brain what? cells into something positive, then maybe you wouldn't be where you're at. So let's think about that one. I mean, whatever. But either way, it took me like a decent amount of processing to get what she was saying. And I was like, why are you telling me? <laughs> I'm clearly not going to contribute in any way to the fact that you have decided to seek stimulation where necessary. <laughs> oh, my God. This episode, we're going to get fired. I, we, we might already be fired. fired I don't know. You know, sometimes yeah, you I just want to we'll like. We'll see if this ends up. I just feel like people are just kind of like looking up and just thinking, first of all, what the hell? Second of all, what was this even about? Well, what's the hashtag for this one? The hashtag for this one is like hashtag kites, epidurals, and gay for the stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Mary Poppins not involved. <laughs> or Winnie the Pooh. I was going to throw Winnie the Pooh in the background. Yes. Oh, girl. I feel like we have to stop or we're going to get seriously fired. Yeah, I think we're going to get seriously fired. We should stop. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you have anything else that, you know, you want to? I feel like the things that I have that come to my mind aren't like as fun to end on. I've been to a lot of halfway houses that resulted in somebody's addiction failing on them or them just being a victim of their addiction and finding narcotics in interesting places as they hid it from the sober house or the halfway house. So I just want to mention that I know it seems like Shelly and I were teasing a little bit, but we do understand about the sincerity and the severity importance of, yeah, thank you, severity, not sincerity of addiction and like how it can affect a person and how it like is a deeply seated mental illness or condition or chemical imbalance that leads someone to go outside of their personality or who they really are in their heart. And teasing is part of what we do as a coping mechanism. And we care about you. We care about people who have addiction and we have empathy and sympathy for people who have lost or lost Mm-hmm. from those things but yeah if we don't have humor then we're just gonna break so if you don't bend you break that's all i have to say at the end exactly yeah and you know it's not addiction and all it doesn't just affect the person it affects you know their loved ones their friends their family everyone their, everyone. everyone it affects employment and you know one of the things that i do want to to touch on just a little bit is you know we were talking about the stealing of drugs and such when you have yeah. a position, I want to say of power, but I don't know if I would consider it. I guess you can say responsibility. That responsibility. That's a way better word. So that's one of the reasons that they do credit checks. So credit checks, you're like, if I want to okay. be law enforcement or if I want to get a job in the forensics field. I had a credit check. Yeah. They're like, why do I need a credit check? You know why? Because you're going to come across money. You're going to come across drugs that you could sell if you are a shady person. Or not shady, but maybe you've made some decisions in your life that haven't been the best and maybe your credit is not the best or maybe, you know, you're in a lot of debt. That's one of the reasons why they do that is because they want to make sure that when you come across $100,000 on a scene, you're not going to be like, oh, it was only 90000 and keep some of it for yourself. That's so interesting, Shelly, because at every crime scene job I applied for, they always did a credit check yes. and then they always ask me have you ever defaulted on a loan all of that and or i was like filed how is bankruptcy? this relevant well that's the reason mm-hmm. why it's relevant yeah not only are they going to do you know background check obviously want to make sure that you know you're clean but that's why they do credit yeah. checks cuz they want to make sure that you're going to be honest 
not that they're saying that you're not honest, but temptation. Temptation is, you know, I mean, in tough times, it can be. Girl, what if I'm tempted with cheese right now? I want to go get queso and chips. It's like freaking midnight where you're at. It's 9.39. That's like midnight. <laughs> I know, for us. That's seriously, like midnight to me. But it is I never too late I want queso and chips. I have some upstairs. I want a trio. I want a, a trio. trio. I want salsa. Salsa, guac. Salsa, guac, and queso. Ooh, that sounds yum. I might. I know. I might just go feed my face. Let's do it. Let's go feed our faces. You know what? You know what? Because we want to go feed our faces now. I think that you know this is a good time for us to just sign off and yeah, we're, you know. we're it's time to wrap up, Shelly. I mean, yeah, we totally love all of you listeners. Like, don't don't get us wrong. We we absolutely love you, but we're hungry. Yeah, we I'm are com- queso. All right. So to all of you listening to this, and the fact that you've kept listening up until this point. Thank you. We love you. We love we you. We love you. Thank you. Find us on social media. Like we said, everything is at Crime Scene Queens and you can email us at hello at crimescenequeens.com. We actually check our email and our socials. It's actually us responding. So. So don't judge us on our typos sometimes too. Because <laughs> we, we're, we're tired and we're hungry. Oh yeah, don't judge us on our typos. Hangry. Always. Hangry. Yeah. That's right. So check us out on the Tick of the Talk. Instagram. The ticking of the talk, the booking of the face, the gramming of the Insta. <laughs> and then, like, Whatever honestly, if you find yourself committing a crime, make sure you're super sloppy and leave lots of evidence. Oh, yeah. No card. <laughs> yeah. All right. We love you guys. So bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> crime Scene Queens is a Q-Code Media production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited by Will Tendy. Theme song and music by Darren Johnson.